Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time, back with his good friend, Jonathan Twomley. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Michael. How are you today? I'm doing well. Something I always wanted to ask you about, and I'm glad to get the opportunity to do it today, is uh, when I help people understand residential property, I, I tell them their first step is get a buy box, right? Get a tight set of criteria so that you can look at it every day uh, and see how the market is changing. That works in residential where you always have more and more people listing and selling and taking stuff off. I'm not sure if that really works the same way in larger multifamily. So I just wanted to ask you, how do you, how do you help? And, and I'm sure this is in your coaching program. How do you help people with that initial criteria search where do you, where do you tell them to go? What is your buy box? What, what kind of, how do you kind of coach people up there? So are you talking about just the properties themselves or the markets or what is it that you're asking? Yeah. So for example, a buy box that I had. So first off you have to, so you pick a zip code inside a city. So 93703, just to walk people through my original buy box. Then I pick single family homes. So I didn't want duplexes through fours, didn't want condos, didn't want this. Then I said three or four bedrooms, two baths, uh, between 1,250 and 1,750 square feet. That was my buy box for two and a half years. That is all I looked at. If, if you were in that buy box, I saw it. And if you were not, I didn't. And that allowed me to learn that very small market better than 99% of agents. And hence, I was able to buy you know six, seven, eight great deals because I found value there. That's, that's what I mean. So yeah, there's definitely like a target, but I think it's a little bit harder in multifamily just because- I would think so, yeah. Right, I mean, you can't, the the home, you know, the single family home market is a lot more liquid Mm -hmm. in the sense of there just being more product, right? So you can have a buy box in multifamily, but if your buy box is too tight, you just won't get anything. Totally agree, yep. Uh, So you need to have a little bit more flexibility around it. Generally, what I'm looking for is- uh, and this has changed too as the market has changed. But mm-hmm. generally speaking, you know, well, where I started out was looking for 100 plus unit deals okay. right, that were under 10 million dollars. Okay. I was not looking for uh, looking for light rehab, no heavy, <laughs> no heavy repositioning, right? Uh, in markets that were growing fast and in good school districts, and that was kind of like the box, right? Okay. And um, over time. So that included like B and C property. It was it was bigger. Okay. Uh, over time, I have through experience learned that I'm not really a big fan of C properties. Okay. Uh, because your rent collections are are hard. You know, your yields look better going in, but but then collecting the rent is an issue. Yeah, real re- real life doesn't fit in Excel. <laughs> so, uh, so now I am much more focused on uh, B properties. Mm. Uh, okay. They have a stronger tenant base much more recession resistant right and yes. because if you if you're dealing with a primarily white collar or more highly skilled blue collar uh, tenant base uh, those the, when when a recession hits companies don't want to lose those employees so they'll hold them you know they'll keep them on payroll Longer, yeah. even when 
things are going bad because they know when things come back, they need those employees, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so the, it's much more stable. And some of them are, don't get aren't affected by the economy at all, right? So, yeah. uh, I, I prefer B B properties um, and the unit size. You know, I've become more flexible about that just because prices of it's you know you can't used to be able to buy a hundred units mm-hmm. for. Uh, under $10 million. And now it's become very difficult, right? If you want to buy B property, right? Because right. now, you know, your per, per door price is over $100,000 in most markets. Yeah. Right? And, Many markets, C-class properties are over 100K. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and look, when I started buying, you know, I thought 40000 a door was ridiculous. You know, like I'm not paying 40000 a door, right? And then you know, so here we are at over $100,000 uh, right. a door. Uh, as for why, you know, check into our last conversation about the Fed, but, yeah. uh, exactly. you know, but, but that's where we are. So, uh, you know, one of the issues, one of the reasons for, for focusing on 100 unit properties before was the quality of management that you could get for mm-hmm. those properties. Um, now with, with smaller properties trading for much higher, uh, you know, uh, prices and rents being much higher, like your income from those properties is also much higher. You can actually afford better management for smaller properties because the do- you know, like the dollar amount uh, that you're getting for it is more. So it becomes more cost effective to have, you know, high quality management on those properties. Um, gotcha. I also, you know, I have become less uh, focused on fast growing markets okay because one of the things i realized was that there is pretty much a housing crisis in every market in the united mm-hmm. states whether they're growing fast or not uh and the slow growing markets don't have as much construction right so the fast growing markets have lots of construction they, they can't keep up but still there's a lot of you know they're still keeping like the mm-hmm. failing behind but in the slow growing markets the same thing is happening there's less construction interesting you know, yeah, that's an interesting point. Because again, if you look at kind of, uh, I think it's Ivy Zellman. If you look at the cities or regions that could, might overbuild, it would be the high growth areas, right? Those are the ones that are most likely to overbuild because they just, it takes a lot of time to, you know, take something out of the ground, if you will. The slow moving markets, they're just not building. So the chances of over- overbuilding are nil, really. Yeah. I mean, there's construction going on, but it just is not at the same pace, yeah. right? And, and one of the differences too, a lot of the slower, more slowly growing markets are places where there's just not much land left yes. to build on, right? Sure. So that's part of the reason why they're slow growing, like the housing stock, it has become uh, basically saturated, like the land has become saturated, zoning prevents much housing from being built, prices have gone up a lot and people are being priced out and they're moving to these other areas, they're moving to the high growth areas because mm-hmm. of exactly this issue. So they're related to each other, right? Yeah. You know, the, 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 the slow growing areas are causing the fast growing areas to be faster growing uh, because of the price of housing, right? Mm-hmm. So all these markets are connected to each other in, in, in one way or another. And, and this dynamic of there not being enough housing is, is consistent pretty much everywhere. So, uh, so markets that are, that are growing slowly, but still growing are places that I look at now as well. And there's a little bit less investor competition in some of those markets. Uh, the, the cap rates are not that much better, to be honest, mm. because, because it has become a national market. Uh, 
you know, sellers know that their competition, like a seller, I was up last week looking at a, at a uh, property about 50 miles north of New York City. The seller on that property knows that, you know, his, that, that his uh, buyer base is like looking at deals in Dallas and stuff too, right? Like they, so they know that, that it's basically cap rates are kind of, they've kind of compressed together all over the whole country. However, there's a little bit less competition in right. markets like that. So, okay. uh, which means that your chances of getting a deal are, are better. Um, so, I like it. Yeah. And then the other thing is, I used, to, I used to be very, very strict about having like an 8% cap rate and stuff like that. Right. And I used to tell people, like, this is what you should be aiming at. The problem is, it's just not realistic anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's highly disciplined, but if you're so highly disciplined that you can never buy a deal, it doesn't make sense, right? right. And I never thought that the market would be where it is now because we've never had a market like this before. We've never had this kind of cap rate compression ever, right? right? Uh, we've, you know, so, but it's a different world. And I hate, I hate to say it because this time is different is one of the most yeah. phases. Yeah. That's dangerous, yeah. However, there, I mean, look, there are some differences now. Things have changed, right? Mm. Doesn't mean that the, I think that this time is different usually is brought up in the, like the business cycle is over. Like we fixed the business cycle. That's yeah. you know, there, there can't be a crash. Like that's that's the dangerous way of saying of of using that phrase. But saying like this time is different, meaning like you know prices have changed in a way that we've never seen before. Right. right? It is different. Right. So you have to be thinking about things in a little bit different way. And I think another another way that my thinking has changed has be, I become a lot more defensive than I used mm. to when I buy. Okay. So I used to think more about like how much money can I make? Right. This. Now I think about, all right. Mm, protecting is this the downside. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was, was always concerned about preserving investor capital and whatnot, but I mean, now it's really a concern where you have to be thinking about, okay, okay like what's going to happen like to, to this deal if things go south? Like how, how much occupancy can I lose? How likely do I think I am to lose it? Mm. Right? Uh, those sorts of things. So um, you have to be thinking about those things too, especially when you're going in at such such low yields. There's just very little room for error. Yeah. So far, the market has been keeps on bailing itself out, and high, you know, with these high occupancies and enormous rent increases and stuff, yeah. it's it's continued to just kind of chug along uh, without these issues coming up. But I mean, at some point, we will this will end, right? So you just want to make sure that. When that happens, uh, you're, you're prepared for it. Yeah. So, kind of two questions I want to dig into. One, you talked earlier in your original buy box about good school districts. Is there a site that you go to? And there's, I don't know, I don't know if they rank them by test scores or what? Is, what is a good school district? Yeah, there's, or there's, how do you look? yeah I mean, like there's niche.com, there's uh, there's greatschools.com. Okay. Uh, and, you know, you can just, they, they literally rank them on a one to 10 scale. Right. And I think it's also helpful to talk to people. Like if you talk with brokers, I mean, you can find out which are the good school districts. Okay. And what I have found is that, um, you know, rentals in good school districts are outperform other rent rentals in bad school districts, right? Because you attract a better, yeah. you just attract a better tenant base, right? Even, even at any level, even if it's like a C property, Mm -hmm. Your C property in that good school district is going to outperform a C property in a bad school district. Agreed. You yep. just have 
the people who are there want to be there because the schools. Yeah, are they there. they pick it on purpose. Yeah, many times. They're, yeah. yeah, they're not there accidentally, right? Yeah. And, uh, so um, those people are going to keep paying the rent because they they're serious about their kids' education, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, so it's I, I that's one reason why I like those schools. Another another thing that I like um, mm -hmm. too, I didn't mention this, is because we were really talking about the property buy box, not the market. Okay. But I I just really like. Um, what I call anchors. Mm. Anchors are things that are not affected by the economy. So like a state state government, right. not, it's not going anywhere. Right. Even if they have budget cuts, it's there, it's there's always at the margins, right? There's not, they're not like they're not having the size of the of the state government, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they're gonna do five percent budget cut, right? So you're that's pretty much immune to what's going on in the economy. Major universities, like big, big universities, the same thing, right? They will just keep on chugging along uh, and really the economy will not be affected that much if, it's, if, if your market is anchored by a major university. Major hospitals, like we have one of those huge like hospital complexes, right? Where those are not affected by the economy. Um, major distribution hubs, right? They're a little bit more subject to the economy but when you've got these like uh, nodal places, anytime you've got like a, a node where you've got like goods being transferred from one form of transportation to another, like so like ship to train, you know, train to, to you know, uh, to truck, right? Mm -hmm. Th those kinds of infrastructure take years, if not decades to yeah. build. And they don't, once they're built, they don't move. Right? Yeah, not going to move. So yeah. They're not going to move them. They can't move them, right? So yeah. you cannot export that, you know, you can manufacture 100% of everything in China, but if you're going to sell any of it in the US, you need a right. place to distribute it. Yep. And so, so those things are, are really good anchors. And they I tend like that. Really um, uh, logistics clusters is what they're called, right? Okay. So, so Logistic clusters, if your local economy is, is based on a logistics cluster, you know, like buy right next to that cluster because those jobs are just going to not go anywhere. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, at the margins, yeah, of course, you have some variation, but you're not, it's like, it's not like investing next to like a GM plant right. and, and then GM closes the plant or, or even like investing next to a military base, right? Because the US could just decide what yeah. was that military base like that logistics hub is not going anywhere right so i like it yeah. i like it the last question i have for you and it's really about we kind of hit on the fact that cap rates have been compressed like no other time yeah. in your history or may, in your experience or maybe you've read about have we seen cap rates go the other way and if if they have what, yeah. what's kind of the track record for you know how bad could it get right now we're talking threes and fours what happens yeah. if it goes the other way well, I mean, listen, it has in the great financial crisis, it did. And typically it does. I mean, cap rate compression and decompression is a normal part of the real estate cycle, right? Okay. Now, you may not have wild swings, but you you definitely have loosening and tightening mm. that, and it depends on the availability of money, right? Okay. So uh, it, it, it doesn't, there's not a one-to-one -one correlation with interest mm -hmm. rates, but there is definitely a relationship Okay. Interest rates and cap rates, and 
uh, be available. You know, the more money is out there, the more people are going to be chasing deals and the lower cap rates are going to go. And then when people stop uh, chasing deals, then it, it, you know, the same thing happens. There's still deals that need to be sold, right? Mm -hmm. People die. Yeah. Uh, people need to refinance. People don't want to do it anymore. Right. Uh, you know, things happen. So there's still deals happening, but For sure. when, when people are scared, then you have to keep on discounting your price to, to get a, to, to get a sale. Right. So that'll push cap rates up. Uh, and it, that's what happens. Right. So mm. when I started buying, it was a couple of years after the financial crisis, I'd already, frankly, at the time thought I missed the, my, my big chance mm. because when I was hearing stories about what happened, like what people were buying in 2009, mm. you know, just like insane, uh, pricing that they were getting but even in 2011 i mean the reason my buy box started out at an eight cap was because i could easily get an eight cap right? gotcha. like, why would you pay why would you pay more than an eight cap right, right. for something so uh because you could you could get eight caps and like hmm. you know if you were looking at a c property in a in a tertiary market you're looking at 10 caps right so gotcha. uh it's so it definitely it expands and contracts. And I think people who are really sophisticated, who understands sort of where in the cycle they're buying, mm -hmm. if they're buying at the beginning of the cycle and they're buying at a higher cap rate, it's, it's you know, standard underwriting, you always want to exit, you always want to underwrite to a higher cap rate, right? right? Because you want to be conservative, right? But you may have a scenario if you're buying, if you know it's the beginning of the cycle, right? Mm -hmm. You know that there's going to be cap rate compression over the, over the cycle. So you, you want a scenario plan that out and see like, well, cap rates could go down, right? And, and I believe they will. And I wouldn't tell my investors that, but like, I believe they will go down. I think this is our potential upside. Hmm. Uh, but I've, I've heard people doing that now who say cap rates yeah. are going to go down. It's insane. I, he I heard one, one uh, yeah, he's a syndicator, talk about he thinks cap rates are going to two and a half. I'm like, what? Not with rising interest rates. They it, they, yeah, logically. Yeah, you can. Listen, uh, we could have a whole other conversation about sort of negative leverage and what that what that does. But yeah. it, you know, don't do it. If, yeah. if the treasury is at two seventy five, right, and you and you have a spread on top of that from banks, like it's people are basically saying like, hey, I I want this deal so badly that I'm willing to make less money by putting debt on it, you know, than by buying it all. It doesn't make any sense to me. Does, so yeah. Uh, I mean, there have been times of negative leverage in the, in the history, but they don't last very long. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, this again, folks is an area I do not play in. That's why Jonathan's an expert. If you want to play in the big multifamily space, you got to follow Jonathan. How do you want them to do that? Yeah. So the easiest thing to do is go and join my free Facebook group, multifamily investment community. Uh, just join the community and come be part of the conversation. Ask all the questions you want. I'm happy to answer them. Uh, you can also, if you want sort of more attention, uh, you can join my coaching program, multifamilylaunchpad.org slash join. All the details are there. You will find it surprisingly affordable. Uh, and if you would like to join my investor list, you must be accredited. But if you are accredited, you can Google Two Bridges Asset Management LLC and fill out the investor form. We actually do have some deals in the works. Uh, so uh, come and join us and get in on it. Awesome. Thank you very much, Jonathan. It's been a great week. Absolutely. You too.